Hi, my name is David Elstein. This is the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast. Each episode is designed to help busy orthopedic surgeons learn more about the ABUS and board certification. This episode is slightly different. It is the audio recording of the webinar on the 2023 ABUS Part 1 examination. We hear from Dr. David Martin, ABUS Executive Director. More information about the ABUS Part 1 examination can be found on www.abus.org. If you enjoyed this episode of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you know the next episode is posted. My name is David Martin. I'm the Executive Director at the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery. I'm joined by uh, David Elstein, who's our Manager of Education and Communication, Sonia Parker, who's a Certification Specialist and also takes care of the Part 1 examination, and Denise Frazier, who's our uh, manager of uh, certification and credentialing. And we will talk about tonight the ABOS part one examination application and go through the nuts and bolts of what you need to know before you apply for that examination. So first, I'd just like to cover our mission statement. The ABOS mission statement is to ensure safe, ethical, and effective practice of orthopedic surgery. We do that by maintaining the highest standards for education practice and conduct, and we do that through examination, certification, and maintenance of certification for the benefit of the public. I'd also like to cover one of our guiding principles. The ABOS believes there's no place for bias or discrimination within the field of orthopedic surgery or within our organization. I'd like to introduce you to the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery Board of Directors. Uh, this is a national board of directors made up of uh, 20 orthopedic surgeons and one public member. And I'd like to uh, introduce you to them, number one, to let you know that they're practicing orthopedic surgeons uh, just like you, and they are working hard to try and get our processes and procedures right. And we'll be happy to ha handle any input or feedback that you have with any of our processes and procedures. I also show you that to let you know that they do go through the same processes uh, as you and I. And this is the initial certification dates and the recertification dates for each member of our board, along with uh, subspecialty certification in either surgery of the hand or orthopedic sports medicine. So by way of an overview, what will we cover tonight? We'll talk about the board certification requirements, the requirements to sit for the part one uh, written examination for uh, board certification in orthopedic surgery. We'll also cover nuts and bolts about the application and we'll answer your questions. Once we finish the webinar, if you raise your hand in Zoom, then I will call on you, we'll unmute you, and we can answer any questions that you may have. So the part one application really requires four elements. Number one is meeting the requirements. Number two, completing the part one examination application. And we'll talk about some of the things that are required for that application. Number three is submitting an application slash examination fee. And number four is obtaining a signature from your residency program director, verifying that you've completed a, an accredited residency program and are ready for the independent practice of orthopedic surgery. Now that signature is obtained through the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery office. So that's something that you do not need to worry about, but that is part of the uh, application procedure. So to log in, all of the required documents and fees are submitted through your dashboard. And that's found by going to www.abos.org. 
Your dashboard is found by going through our website and logging on. All PGY5 residents in the United States will receive an email later this week, and that will supply you with your username and how you can choose your password. And then that will give you access to your unique dashboard on the ABOS website. Other applicants besides PGY5 residents should contact the ABOS offices and we'll work through that process with you. So what are the requirements to sit for the part one examination uh, in the board certification process? The first requirement is to be in the fifth year of an ACGME accredited orthopedic surgery residency program or have completed an ACGME accredited orthopedic residency program at the time of your application. I should note that the final 24 months of an orthopedic residency program uh, orthopedic residency education must be obtained from a single ACGME accredited orthopedic residency program. So you need to spend the final 24 months in an accredited uh, orthopedic residency program and just the same orthopedic residency program. You can't switch in your last two years of residency. Uh, residency requirements uh, that you need to complete before applying are found in the ABRS rules and procedures, and those can be found on our website. Uh, Canadian residents. Your program must have approval by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, and you must pass the certification examination of the Royal College before applying for American Board of Orthopedic Surgery board certification. If you've completed your residency program outside of the United States or Canada, you will proceed through the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery academic pathway. Those details are found in the rules and procedures on the ABOS website. So the application, how can we help you with the application? The application requests general information that's routinely found on applications of this type that you filled out uh, many times. A couple of things to note, you need to have the name and dates attended of your undergraduate school where you had your undergraduate education, any graduate schools if applicable, any medical schools, and then your residency program. You need the name and email address of your residency program director, and then you need any state medical license numbers. Any state medical licenses that you hold, you need to have those license numbers available when you fill out the application. As far as costs and expenses, the application and examination fee are one, it's $1,040. That's due, the application and the fee are due December 15th of this year, 2022 at 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you need additional time, you can take an additional two weeks through January 5th, 2023. That also ends at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and that incurs a $350 late fee uh, to process that application uh, at a later time than the others. So to summarize the process, you finalize the application and pay the application examination fee by 12-15-2022. The application should be available later this week. We will then email your program director an attestation and the program director will need to sign that. We will obtain that from the program director and go through your program coordinator to get that signature uh, as needed. If we exhaust contacting the program director and the program coordinator, we may contact you but that is something that you don't need to worry about. We will 
do our best to obtain the signature of your program director uh, for your application. The, our credentials committee will then meet and review all of those applications and all the information in April of 2023. Sometime in May, you'll receive an email and that will ask you again to log into your ABOS candidate dashboard and you'll have your username and password, which will be the same as you enter it the first time. And you'll view and print your scheduling permit. That scheduling permit will allow you to schedule the examination at a ProMetric testing center. Uh, those of you who've gone through uh, MBME step one, step two, step three, you understand how ProMetric testing centers work. And so once you have that scheduling permit, you go to the ProMetric site and schedule your examination. All the examinations take place on July 13th, 2023, one day, but you can take that at a convenient testing center for you. It's an all day exam. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you, once you get that scheduling permit, you wanna schedule as soon as possible so you can schedule at the testing center of your choice. You will then take the examination on July 13th, 2023. In late August of 2023, you'll receive an email and that will ask you again to log in to your ABOS candidate dashboard and that's where we will post your examination results. Please keep the ABOS updated throughout your career, certainly during this time, but throughout your career with current contact information. Your email is critical. Our main line of communication is email throughout your career. And so you really wanna keep your email updated on our website. Don't leave that to someone else to do. You should do that yourself throughout your career so that you get the emails from the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery that you need to maintain your board certification. So I can't emphasize enough, that enough, but that's critical. Very often when people miss deadlines and their certification expires or they have issues with their certification, it's because they haven't kept their email up to date. So I really encourage you to keep your email up to date. That's critical. As far as preparing for the examination, there's a fairly detailed blueprint on our website that can be found the ABOS part one certification examination blueprint. This is, these are the first two pages of that. It's a PDF document that you can download and print. It's about 20 some pages, but you can see the main areas here, general principles, adult spine, upper extremities, lower extremities, and pediatrics. And you can see the percentages there. Each of those colored headings is a link. And you, when you're on the website, you can click on that link and that will take you to another page which has far more detail about what's included on the examination. Hopefully that can guide your study and you can see what percentages of the questions on the examination will be in each of those topic areas. In addition, we'll go over the block timing in uh, just a second. And it's important that you understand the block timing as the examination day goes by you do get break time in between the blocks of examination. You also get tutorial time. The tutorial is contained on our website. So my advice would be before you're going to the examination, go to our website and view the tutorial, go back and forth through the tutorial. It will show you how to mark questions, how to make questions bigger, how to look at the images, how to make the images bigger, change the contrast. It will show you how, to, how you can see what questions you've answered in a certain block and it, it, how much time is remaining in the block. So I would do that at home before you get to the examination. 
then that tutorial time will be added to your break time. You can view the tutorial again once you get to the examination site, but you can also view that same tutorial uh, at home before you get there by going to the ABOS website. Uh, all of this information is found uh, at www.abos.org. And if you click on candidates and then part one, you can see all this information. This is the block timing of the examination. Uh, this is standard block time. We'll talk about accommodations in a minute, but there are seven blocks. That's, you can see there are six and one. Six of the blocks are identical. One is somewhat shorter. That's at the end of the examination. The first six blocks have 52 items. The last block has 16 items. That's a total of 328 items. You get 75 minutes per block for the first six blocks and 30 minutes for the last block. So you can look at that and look at your timing. You get 20 minutes of tutorial time and 40 minutes of break time. So the total examination time with all those added up is nine hours. Uh, but if you look at that tutorial time, if you view the tutorial at home, you can put that as break time. Now, in the blocks, you are not to take break time inside a block. You can do that if something happens, you have to go to the bathroom, so you feel like you need to leave the room for whatever reason, but that will be an unauthorized break. We will get notified of that. Uh, that will cause some issues at the Prometrics uh, site, but what you want to do is look at the block and say, okay, I'm going to start a block. It's 52 items in 75 minutes. You want to finish that block. Once you finish that block, you cannot go back to the questions in that block. When you sign out of that block, that block is done, gone, boom. Those answered or answers are recorded. So you can't go backwards in, into a block. You move Then in between blocks, you can take a break. You can go to your locker, uh, do what you need to do. You'll have if you do the tutorial at home, you have 60 minutes. So you can see in between each of those blocks how much break you want to take. Um, and then you'll go to the next block, do 75 more questions. Again, once you complete that block and sign out of the block, you can't go back to those questions uh, and so on through the examination. Um, anyone who needs accommodations, that's for uh, disabilities. Uh, we have breastfeeding mothers, uh, other issues. We have an ADA request form that's found on our website. You need to do that at the time of the application. Uh, again, breastfeeding mothers who need additional time to pump, you can get additional time and there's a breastfeeding candidate form found on our website. So we have accommodations for that. It lengthens the time of the exam. If you lengthen the time of the exam, for instance, for the breastfeeding accommodations, you do take the exam over two days. Um, but uh, we have accommodations for that. And if you fill out those forms, you need to submit those at the time of the application. It's extremely difficult, if not impossible for us. Once you get your scheduling permit, then you say, oh, I need an accommodation. That's extremely hard for us to do because when we, you apply, then we reserve that many seats at Prometric based on the geographic makeup of who applies. Granted, that's not an exact science because you all move around. You might want to take where your fellowship is or where your hometown is or where your residency is. But we have a rough idea for Prometric and we reserve seats. And we also reserve seats for accommodation. So it, if you need accommodations you, and you let us know late, we may not be able to provide those. You may have to wait till next year or we may have to move you to another site.
Uh, I'm sorry, did I cut? Uh, and then any accommodations other than that, please contact us. We're happy to listen to those. Um, throughout your career, you're assigned a certification specialist uh, at the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery. Uh, it's a, a very complicated process, basically by the first letter of your last name. And so if you're AB, uh, Denise Frazier is your certification specialist. Sonia takes care of C through G, but also handles all the part one issues. Uh, Kim Grover takes care of H2O and Morgan Graham takes care of P through Z. Um, I encourage you to contact these individuals if you have questions. Uh, don't wait. It's better to ask your question early and we can take care of it early as opposed to waiting until the last minute and trying to play catch up. Uh, feel free to email me, dmartin at abos.org. We're happy to try and answer your questions. Um, if you call and yell at us, uh, then we might put a black mark by your name. But calling the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery is not a problem. If you call, we're happy to help you. Um, somehow there's some rumors out there. If you call us, we put a black mark by your name. No, only if you yell at us, um, then we may. Uh, and this is our phone number there, but uh, honestly, we're there to help you. Um, we have a podcast. I would encourage you to go and look at all of the podcast episodes, but there is an episode preparing for the ABOS part one examination by a successful candidate who has gone through the process. We have podcasts there, uh, about, how we write the questions, how we put the examination together, how the part two examination works, uh, orthopedic surgeons telling you about their career, how they've gotten involved in writing questions or being an oral examiner. So I would encourage you to go to our podcast, anchor.fm forward slash ABOS, or wherever you find your podcast, uh, you can look for us there. And uh, I'd encourage you to listen to those. There's a lot of good information there. In addition, uh, again, our website, there's a lot of information on our website, www.abos.org. If you can't find something there, let us know. Give us that feedback so we can make it easier to find for everybody else. We're also active uh, in these social media areas, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. And so look for us there. I believe that those are my formal comments. Uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. And that's why uh, Denise and Sonia or David are here, so I give you not only answers to your questions, but correct answers. Uh, and if you submit them by using the hand raising button, uh, we will then call on you and you can ask your question. In addition, there'll be a video recording of this webinar posted on our website and on our YouTube site. In addition, you can listen to an audio only version through most of your podcast apps or anchor.fm forward slash ABOS. Uh, so uh, we'll be happy to answer your questions now. I will stop sharing my screen so we can see you uh, or you can see us and uh, just raise your hand if you have any questions at all. We can't have been that good. We have modified the slideshow based on questions we've uh, heard in the past. So please feel free to answer your questions. There are no uh, bad questions. So, okay. Are, are you unmuting, David? I am, yep. Yes. Okay. Dr. Reze, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Dr. Martin, I have a question for you. As far as undergrad and medical school, do we need to provide uh, transcripts and all of that or for uh, uh, registration and enrollment? 
Uh, no, just the, the names and, and dates. Names of the institutions and dates. Thank you. Great. And Dr. Robinson. Okay. Uh, I've been unmuted. This is Lucas Kyle. W will PGY6 residents as part of an, a research track residency be contacted later this week, or do I need to touch base with my program director? Uh, PGY6. Uh, where are you at PGY6? In North Carolina. So it's the six-year track. Sonia, that's a good question. Sonia, you're still muted. David? Here we go. When you're in your PGY five year, that's when you will apply. So if your research year is in year four of your PGY five, or are you in my your six year? My research year was PGY three. Uh, I'm now in my PGY six year, which is my chief year. Correct. So as a chief, then yes, you will, you will get your invitation for the part one exam this year. Yes. Yeah. You Thanks, should get son. that in your chief year. If you do not, then contact, contact us and we'll figure that out for sure. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good question. Uh, and now Dr. Renard. Hi. Uh, I was just curious, is the username and, email and uh, password we're going to get access to later this week um, the same as the one that we've had? Like, I already have a username and password for an ABOS dashboard. Is that the same thing that I'll be getting again? Yes, if you're in the KSB program, which I'm assuming that's with your question, yes, you'll have the same username and password. And it's the same website okay. you'll log into, the www.abos.org. Okay, perfect. Outstanding. Another good question. Uh, Dr. Gale. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, that's Gale. But close enough. Uh, Great. A quick question about the recently there was a news about the OIT and the ABOS linking up for the part one. Uh, what is that what does that exactly mean? Does that mean we expect the same slash similar questions between the two exams or um uh, so that's a great question. Uh, we have partnered with the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons uh, to try and uh, um, uh, link the orthopedic in-training examination and the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery Part 1 examination. So if, in fact, you uh, took the, exam the OIT examination in the last two years, uh, there's, we have done a linking process, which I'll explain that gives you an idea of what uh, raw score on the OIT would correspond roughly to uh, a passing score on the ABOS part one examination. Uh, and that can be found uh, uh, on the uh, AOS website uh, at the OIT website and also will be found on your dashboard on our website. Um, the way we do that is uh, there are questions that appeared uh, on um, 
we have shared questions with them. So they questions that appeared on the ABOS part one examination uh, last July will then appear on the uh, OITE examination in November, I believe next month. And utilizing the performance of those questions on the part one examination last summer and how they perform on the OIT examination, we can roughly link those scores. Uh, it's um, much like the PSAT and SAT that you may have taken in high school. Uh, the disclaimer is that, you know, obviously to link the exams exactly, we would need exactly the same questions on each exam. And this is a small subset of questions. So it's a rough linking, but it gives you an idea of your performance on the OITE and how that may translate to a performance on the part one examination. I would say that, uh, you know, you, I would um, obviously take that with a grain of salt, but it gives you an idea of where you are. As we get five years of data, then it will give you an idea and residents an idea of where they stand throughout their residency as they participate in the orthopedic and training examination, as far as their orthopedic knowledge, that portion of their training. So hopefully it will give residents an idea of how they're progressing in attaining the orthopedic knowledge that uh, the board and the academy feels is uh, appropriate uh, for an orthopedic surgeon. We have also linked the blueprints on those examinations. So the blueprint on the ABOS part one examination is roughly the blueprint on the OITE examination. Uh, just a quick uh, a question again, how far, when did the linkage happen? So what year OITE would be a good representative of what we expect in the board exam? It's gone on the last two years. Last two years? Yes. And you said well, I could look well, at my OITE, sorry to interrupt. I could well, look so, at the OIT. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm, well, we're, it, will, it occurred in 2021 and 22. Got it. And then um, if I understood you right, correctly, you said I could use those scores on those OITE and it would give me a good idea of uh, how I would do on the boards, potentially. And that's available on the website. Potentially. The, um, yeah, the disclaimer is, you know, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. So, I, you know, um, if I tell you, yeah, they're exactly linked um, and you're doing well, then you'll relax and you probably won't do well. If I tell you it's pretty rough, I think then you'll continue to work hard and, and it, it will at least be a guideline. I mean, obviously you have to perform on the day of the exam. And, and so um, that, it, but it, it's a rough linking, gives you a, a guideline of sort of where you stand with your education. Thank you so much, Dr. Martin. And one thing just to clear it up. So you'll be getting the dashboard later this week. There'll be a section on that about the linking, but th those scores for a lot of people have not been pulled over yet. They will be pulled over later this year. And then starting in January, you'll see them every January or so from that November uh, OITE. So don't be surprised if you see a blank slate when you get in, it will populate later. Yes. And if you have your raw score from the OITE, Right, that's basically a number of questions correct. Uh, if you go, the academy has that information on their website in the OITE. Uh, if you go to the academy website, it's in the OITE um, 
report, basically. If you search OIT on the Academy website, uh, that information is there. So hopefully it's uh, meant to make it a little more useful, uh, make that examination uh, more useful uh, for residents. Uh, Dr. Baytech. Yes. <clears throat> Hi. Um, thank you. I'm doing the academic pathway. And just quick, two quick questions. I've been in communication with Sonia Parker. Uh, should I continue communications with her? Or because my last name starts with B, I should uh, communicate with, uh, with Ms. Fraser. <clears throat> Go ahead, Sonia. You'll continue to uh, communicate with me directly, if you don't mind, <clears throat> just because uh, it'll be one person, one place for the academic and Canadian applicants. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. My second question is about the letters. And I think you briefly mentioned in a previous email, um, as far as like we have to upload all the letters or recommendations in the application, sometimes the writers uh, don't feel that comfortable sending them to me or, you know, to the applicant and they prefer sending them directly. Uh, is that still okay or should they still need to send them to me for me to upload in the application? Sonia? They still need to send them to you to upload into the application. Many of the um, people writing the recommendations still will send them to us in the mail, which is quite sufficient, but you have to receive those and scan them and upload them to your application. If they still want to send us the hard copy by mail, that's fine, but you have to receive a copy at least to upload to your application. Of course, so I'll, I'll know to specifically ask them to do so. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent, Dr. Swanson. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Thank you for putting this on, super helpful. Um, I am actually currently doing my fellowship. I already completed residency. Um, I wanted to just see who should I reach out to to make sure that I can get my username and, and, and password and all that stuff. That would be uh, Sonia, is that correct, Sonia? Okay. Yes, that would be Sonia, absolutely. Perfect, all right, Sonia, I'll, I'll touch base with you uh, later this week, thank you. Great, and then Dr. Moti. Hey, Dr. Martin, um, quick question about the recertification process is, and this is kind of thinking ahead here, but, you know, later down the line, it sounds like every so often, every so many years, you have to retake the boards. Um, is it a similar exam? Like, is it something you, is it like a shorter version? Like, how, how does that kind of usually work? Uh, wow. So you would um, take the part one examination, pass that, then you would be board eligible for uh, five years. Um, plus uh, whatever time you're in fellowship, and then you would take the oral examination. So that would be the, that's the part two examination. Uh, successful completion of those two, uh, you attain board certification status. Uh, and you're board certified. That's a 10-year certificate. Uh, there are requirements uh, throughout that 10 years uh, of CME, uh, maintaining your licensure, maintaining your hospital privileges. Uh, uh, and then at some point during that time, you submit another application with a case list. 
and you need to complete some knowledge assessment. So uh, as of now, there are multiple choice examinations, which are uh, somewhat shorter and uh, what we call practice profiled. So they're in uh, the breadth of orthopedic subspecialties uh, where uh, the examination consists of 150 questions mm -hmm. only in a certain uh, subspecialty, spine, shoulder and elbow, hand, sports medicine, uh, pediatrics, trauma, uh, and so forth. Uh, so you could take a multiple choice examination. You can retake the oral examination. Uh, and then we also have a longitudinal assessment program, which you will hear. Uh, that's a yearly uh, journal article-based program uh, that um, you'll hear more about once you're board certified. And there's information about that on our website as well. Thank you. No problem. Any further questions? Seeing none, uh, have I missed anything? David, Denise, Sonia, we're good. No further information. Please, yes, please be in touch with us. We're anxious to try and help you make the uh, December deadline so you don't incur the late fee. Uh, and um, uh, the application, it, it's, it's just not that difficult. This, this, would, this is not a time when you need to incur a late fee. When you're uploading cases and doing those types of things, maybe you need to incur a late fee. But this first, first step is not a time to incur the late fee. And uh, I would encourage you to, again, um, look at the um, blueprint. Uh, that will help you in your preparation. And if you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to contact us.